Hello all, and welcome to another episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores histories of military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, A Police Officer's Son Vanishes in Battle. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is taken from case number 0196 in the files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. Today's story features the son of a police officer born in a small community in Oklahoma. In fact, it was so small that it no longer exists. Our hero of our episode today joined the Marines before World War II to see the world, and boy did he at least until he disappeared in a South Pacific battle along with over 500 of his fellow Marines. I'm your host, Rick Stone, bringing you another great and true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We invite you to listen to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer, and we're even on iHeartRadio. As this is National Police Officer Memorial Week, we dedicate this episode to all the law enforcement members around the country who have sacrificed their lives to keep us safe. Today's story is literally about one of their lost sons, and maybe just maybe, still waits for us to find him and bring him home. If you know where Cloud Chief Oklahoma is, please raise your hand. (laughs) Hmm, I don't see anybody waving their arms out there. That's really not surprising because Cloud Chief Oklahoma is no longer a recognized town. It even lost its post office way back in 1964. But today, we recognize probably its most heroic and forgotten son. Sergeant Clyde Clayton Mitchell was born in Cloud Chief, Oklahoma on September 1, 1916. His father, Walter D. Mitchell, was employed as an Oklahoma State Highway Patrolman when he registered for the 1930 census. But the elder Mitchell died in 1937 when Clyde was 21 years old. But as you will see later on in our episode, the father may still hold the clue to solving Clyde's disappearance. Clyde was no dummy. He graduated from high school and then he went on to complete two years of college at the time he enlisted at the Marine Corps on 3 August 1939 in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he was assigned the rank of private. At that time, he stated his occupation was as a truck driver, enlisted his mother, Elma C. Mitchell, of Hartshorn, Oklahoma, as his next of kin. By the way, Mrs. Mitchell later moved to Wichita, Kansas, a city I know pretty well, having served as the police chief there for about seven years. Private Mitchell completed all the necessary paperwork to receive United States government life insurance, listing his mother as the beneficiary. And his original enlistment period in 1939 was for a period of four years. 
There's no indication in his military records of any previous bone fractures or tattoos. However, he is recorded as having a three-inch scar on his left forehead and a birthmark, undescribed, on his left thigh. The scar on his forehead is clearly visible in his Marine Corps photograph, which leads us to wonder how he got such a visible wound. Was he kicked by a stubborn Oklahoma mule, maybe? Hmm, well, that's a mystery kind of outside our purview. Private Mitchell had blue eyes and was unmarried, and from his photograph, there's no doubt the girls would have found him a little bit more than cute. He listed his height as 73 and a quarter inches, and he weighed 152 pounds. So he was probably described by his Marine buddies as a, quote, tall, lanky oaky, end quote. Private Mitchell's last recorded dental examination was on 15 April 1940, when his chart noted at least nine fillings and cavities, one extraction, and only one wisdom tooth present. Private Mitchell went on to complete his basic training at Paris Island, South Carolina, and was transferred to sea school at the Norfolk Navy Yard in Portsmouth, Virginia, on 25 September 1939. Private Mitchell was assigned to the Marine Detachment on board a destroyer, the USS J. Fred Talbot, DDD-156, on 15 November 1939. During December 1939, Private Mitchell served as a, quote, compartment cleaner, end quote, on board his ship while it was moored at the Coco Solo submarine base in Panama. Private Mitchell also served as a messmate and a deckhand, and finally as a torpedoman striker, meaning he was in training. From 23 August to 31 August 1940, Private Mitchell was sick on board his ship with an unknown illness or injury. Frankly, I think he was probably sick of all the crummy jobs he was assigned to do on the Talbot by the U.S. Navy. He remained ill off and on for most of September and was detached ashore to the United States Naval Dispensary on 25 September 1940 for medical treatment, where he stayed until 10 October 1940 before returning to his ship. On 6 January 1941, Private Mitchell was transferred to the Marine barracks at the Coco Solo submarine base in the Panama Canal Zone. On 30 June 1941, after almost two years in the Marines, Private Mitchell was promoted to Private First Class. PFC Mitchell was transferred to the First Guard Company at the Marine barracks in Norfolk Navy Yard on 31 December 1941, where he was promoted to corporal in April 1942 and assigned as a lifeguard in July 1942. With other Marines soon to be fighting and dying on Guadalcanal, Corporal Mitchell was a lifeguard on the base swimming pool. But not for long. On 16 October 1942, Corporal Mitchell was transferred to the 6th Replacement Battalion at Camp Elliott, San Diego, California, and shipped overseas on January 1943 to the South Pacific. On 10 February 1943, Corporal Mitchell was assigned to Love Company, 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, who were encamped in New Zealand for training in preparation for the invasion of Tarawa. On 20 July 1943, Corporal Mitchell was promoted to sergeant and extended his enlistment for another two years on 31 July 1943. 
Sergeant Mitchell's unit, Love Company, 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, was designated to land on Red Beach Number 3 during the invasion of Tarawa, and his division and battalion transported from their training bases in New Zealand to Tarawa on board the USS Monrovia. Probably, Sergeant Mitchell did not have to perform any compartment cleaning duties on the Monrovia. Sergeant Mitchell's company began landing on Red Beach 3 at about 11.03 hours. That's 11.03 a.m. on the first morning of the battle, 20 November 1943. King Company, 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, was in the first wave of boats with Sergeant Mitchell's Love Company close behind them in the second wave. There were four more waves of landing craft behind Sergeant Mitchell's company. One of Love Company's landing craft was struck by a Japanese shell and almost everyone aboard was killed. The boat drifted, in fact, for several days and ultimately the unidentified Marines in the boat were listed in the roles of missing in action. Our investigation here at the Foundation has determined that Sergeant Mitchell was probably not in that landing craft. Another member of Sergeant Mitchell's company, Corporal John Beck, later described the scene inside his landing craft. Corporal Beck was a machine gun squad leader, and his particular boat was assigned to contain part of a rifle platoon and a mortar squad. It's not really known if Sergeant Mitchell was in Corporal Beck's landing craft, but here is what he had to say about his landing on Tarawa. Corporal Beck stated that he was at the rear of his landing craft and to one side of the boat when it began its approach to Red Beach 3 under heavy fire from a Japanese 14-centimeter artillery piece and a large caliber Japanese machine guns joined in. Entire assault craft containing dozens of Marines from King Company's first wave in front of him disintegrated from the Japanese defensive fire. Corporal Beck's own boat hit the reef several hundred yards from the shore, and the front ramp was lowered to allow the Marines to remain to wade the remaining distance to the beach. When his boat's ramp was lowered, the Marines in front of him began collapsing as a result of being hit by heavy machine gun fire. They fell into the water or were pushed out by the Marines at the rear of the craft who were struggling to exit. Corporal Beck noted that most of the men in his boat found themselves in chest-deep water surrounded by ever-widening clouds of their own blood mixing with the sea. Corporal Beck and a few members of his machine gun squad were able to swim and wade to the pier that jutted out between Red Beach 3 and Red Beach 2. At the pier, they found some temporary cover from the Japanese fire while they awaited an opportunity to make it the rest of the way to the beach. Soon, four out of seven officers in Love Company were wounded. We don't know exactly what happened to Sergeant Mitchell. He was listed on his USMC casualty card as killed in action on 20 November 1943, and this document lists his cause of death as a gunshot wound. Sergeant Mitchell's burial date is listed as Division Cemetery, and the date and site are noted as being Division Cemetery, 22 November 1943. There is another grave listed on the casualty card, which is Cemetery Number 28. Foundation researchers have actually found a photograph of Cemetery 28, which was a single grave cemetery and a grave marker with Sergeant Mitchell's name on the cross was on the photograph.
Also, Foundation researchers found a map that shows the location of Cemetery 28 on Tarawa. Unfortunately, the Graves Registration Unit report of January 1944 lists Sergeant Mitchell's burial location as unknown. Hmm. It was unknown, probably for the simple reason that the Graves Registration Unit did not have the map that we found listing the location of Cemetery 28. In fact, the map the Graves Registration Unit had when they arrived on Tarawa in 1946 specifically did not note the existence of Cemetery 28. Sergeant Mitchell's unit muster of November 1943 states, quote, died of wounds received in action, character excellent. On 22 November, remains interned in 2nd Marine Division Cemetery, row and grave number unknown, not misconduct, died in the line of duty, end quote. Sergeant Mitchell's service record book found by our Foundation researchers in his official military personnel file known as OMPF in the National Personnel Records Center in St. Louis, Missouri states, quote, buried 22 November 43 in Division Cemetery, row and grave number unknown, end quote. <laughs> well, now's the time we scratch our head. So where is Sergeant Mitchell? He is excluded by biometric comparison, including dental comparisons, to be any of the most likely matches to any of the Tarawa unknowns that were previously buried in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, also known as the Punch Bowl. The exact circumstances of Sergeant Mitchell's death, as we said, are unknown. Based on the photograph that we found of his single grave in Cemetery 28, there's no doubt he reached the beach and attempted to lead his unit forward toward the interior of the island. The description of his wounds in his official records indicates that someone found and identified his body after his death. In other words, he wasn't lost in the water before reaching the beach. All of Sergeant Mitchell's official records note he was buried as an unknown, or was buried at an unknown location on Tarawa, or that he was buried in Cemetery 28, or that he was buried in a division cemetery. Trying to put all three of these together is a real head-scratcher. Cemetery 27, which was one of the larger cemeteries designated as a division cemetery, was very close to Cemetery 28 and just inland from Red Beach 3. Sergeant Mitchell's originally reported gravesite in Cemetery 28 was inside the Turning Circle taxiway for the Japanese airfield. And researchers have long believed that Sergeant Mitchell's grave in Cemetery 28 may have been moved to accommodate airfield reconstruction by the Seabees after the battle. As we said, Cemetery 27 was close to Sergeant Mitchell's original grave in Cemetery 28. And if his remains were moved to accommodate construction efforts, it's perhaps more likely that he was placed in Cemetery 27, which has remained undiscovered until 2015. As of today, there are three remaining unknowns recovered from Cemetery 27 that the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency has been unable to identify. There's also a possibility that Sergeant Mitchell could be one of the 37 other sets of remains that have been recovered on Tarawa since 1963, which await examination and identification 
by the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency. The current backlog of recovered sets of remains awaiting identification by the DPAA laboratory is estimated to exceed 1,100 American servicemen and women. And the current average time for identification by the DPAA laboratory after they've received in the lab is estimated to exceed 11 years. In the final analysis, the overwhelming preponderance of the evidence indicates that Sergeant Mitchell reached shore on Tarawa's Red Beach 3 on 20 November 1943. He was likely fatally wounded during his unit's initial attacks toward the interior of the island near the airfield. At some point after he was injured, Sergeant Mitchell succumbed to his gunshot wound and was probably hastily buried by his company mate, possibly while they were still under fire just inside the airfield taxiway. If Sergeant Mitchell is not one of the recovered sets of remains from Tarawa that Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency has not been able to identify, the remains of Sergeant Clyde Clayton Mitchell of Cloud Chief, Oklahoma, probably currently lie buried in an unmarked and undiscovered grave on Tarawa, awaiting discovery, identification, and return home to his family. There are 23 members of Love Company 3rd Battalion 8th Marines who were ultimately listed as killed in action. Thirteen of these individuals, including Sergeant Mitchell, have never been recovered and identified, and all 13 are unaccounted for to this very day. We're going to read their names, because if we read their names, they're not forgotten. Love Company 3rd Battalion 8th Marines still unaccounted for. Private First Class Ray Lawson Cherry. Private Humbert William Gandara. Private Warren Cameron Harris. Private Joseph James Manisi. Private First Class Harold Grant Mathewson Jr. Private Harley Eugene Miller. Sergeant Clyde Clayton Mitchell. Sergeant Frank Carl Powell. Private First Class Robert Lee Sanders, Private First Class Merle Melvin Sowers, Jr. Private Jack Stamey. Private First Class David William Turrell. Private First Class Walton, correction, Orson Lemoyne Walton. These are heroes all, and we haven't forgotten them. But wait, hey, and there's always a but in history's military mysteries. There is one final possibility for the location of Sergeant Mitchell, and it is connected to his deceased father, the Oklahoma Highway Patrolman. During the battle, one casualty was buried at sea, who had no identification on him other than a ring with the initials W.M., for the last 78 years, a lot of work has gone into finding a Tarawa MIA who would match the circumstances of the burial at sea for this individual and the initials of this burial at sea hero. All efforts have failed. Perhaps we've all been looking in the wrong databases. Could our burial at sea MIA been wearing a ring not belonging to himself but a family member? Could the WM on the ring stand for 
Highway Patrolman Walter Mitchell, the deceased father of Clyde Mitchell that Clyde was wearing as a keepsake of his deceased father. Now that will be one challenging mystery to solve. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform that you like to listen to podcasts. No Home for Heroes really is featured on just about any podcast site around the world. We greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. Every assistance counts, and you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas, I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.